This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we have Mike Walker. He's the president of Optair, managing director of healthcare at the Mizell Group, and board advisor to Evident. With Optair, Mike is a consultant, coach, trainer, and mentor to experienced individuals wishing to transform their special skills and knowledge into the consulting profession. Mike's team guides enterprises wishing to establish professional services as part of their service offerings. They provide guides, computer-based training, group coaching, one-on-one mentoring, as well as digital marketing and back-office systems to ensure success. Mike, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you. It's great to be here, too. It's a, it's a lovely day in Colorado, sneaking up on the 4th of July. And Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Okay. Well, um, it might be appropriate to kind of talk about why I do what I do. And in that regard, um, let me kind of take you back into my childhood and then we'll move forward from there. So in a certain sense, you might say I've had the classic, or maybe it's not so classic, a rags to riches type story, where I grew up in a fairly poor background. My mom was divorced. She was a single mom with three kids. We would... um, basically have to live off food stamps to augment our our living. And my mom was not the type of person that really was all that keen about that. So what she wanted to do is give me the food stamps, and I'd go into the grocery store, buy the groceries, come back out, we go back home. Well, there was one event that occurred where I was buying the groceries and I'm walking out the door. And as I'm walking out, after paying for them with the food stamps, the clerk was talking to somebody else and said, oh, he probably stole them. And, you know, like some people have these catalyzing events. Well, for me, that was one of them. It was like, I never want to be in a position or situation where I feel like I have to rely on food stamps or basically I never want to be poor again. And, you know, at that time I was 11 years old, but it was the sort of driving factor that has kind of impacted me over well over now 40 years of forcing me into what I do today. And I work my butt off in school and in various jobs to the point where I actually have, you know, I moved up in ranks in a number of different companies, started up a couple of companies, helped um, one.com, which is actually still in business, be, be somewhat successful. And now I am wanting to take that discipline and move it into my business that I'm setting up with Optera. But why I set up Optera was because another catalyzing event occurred, which is I was um, quite responsible for outsourcing a lot of jobs from the U.S. to other countries, most particularly India. And in that situation, I was visiting a client and I was discussing with them the plans of moving outsourcing some work over to India over a span of about two years. I came back to do a review with them, and they had already said, well, we just got rid of them, got rid of the employees. And that really didn't set well with me. It never really set well with me that I would outsource people's jobs away to begin with. But that one was just the sort of like event that just was, I need to do something about this. Now, obviously, I can't bring people's jobs back. They're not my employees. It's not my company. But I can at least hopefully give other people opportunities. And so I crafted Optair to be an organization that will focus in on helping people try to set up their own businesses. So in this regard, I can at least in some way, shape, or form give back. And that is sort of the the driving force of why I've crafted Optair to really give people a path. In this regard, consulting is one of those paths that is less likely to be outsourced than in one of the others that you might think of. Um, So that's essentially why I've done what I've done so far. And I'm in the early stages of Optare, but it's surprisingly, without that much effort, taking off quite a lot. For for the listeners out there, you and I talked a little bit before the show about some of the various positions in your background. You were with Ernst & Young for a while. Worked as, um, I started out actually in the big five consulting at that time. Now it's sort of like called the big four, but um, I was a consultant in e-commerce back then and um, started out just as a regular consultant, moved up to senior manager, was 
probably going to be a partner, but uh, EY sold off their consultancy practice about the year 2000. Luckily, one of my clients was a dot com called uh, Centromed, which then changed its name to Global Healthcare Exchange. And GHX, as it's called, is still in business. So we actually, the, the team and I, I was a uh, director overseeing the professional services side of it for obvious reasons for my consultancy background. But yeah, um, we, we established that. Then I moved on to Pricewaterhouse for a while. I was a consultant with them, moved into Kaiser, spent a number of years with them implementing the largest electronic medical record system in the country. Um, hosted at that time in 2009, about 80,000 people working on the system at any one point in time. And um, then I moved into Perot Systems as a healthcare consultant and built a, a practice for them around using the technology that we deployed in Epic. Uh, from then, I moved into um, Dignity Health, uh, where I oversee some of the implementations of mobile computing in the healthcare space. And then I was called away into an organization called Cognizant, where I would focus on, in, still in the healthcare sector, moving jobs from the U.S. to, to other countries, uh, dealing with um, labor arbitrage primarily, helping companies improve their cost structures because we would be able to move that work over. And that was sort of the event that it caused me to think, because that was during those, that tenure at Cognizant, that I thought, I need to give back. You know, and in, in, in for... For the folks that are listening, I mean, your your depth of experience through the consulting side of the house uh, is wide. And mm-hmm. and I look at where you are now, and let's diverge a little bit and talk about um, the customers that with Optera you're going to serve. Who is that customer? What do they look like? So what we have is essentially what we characterize as a persona. And a persona for me is an individual who's age 30 to 65 who has been in work for at least 10 years and or has been a consultant for a period of time. And these are individuals that are dissatisfied with their current work. They feel that they have hit in a certain sense a glass ceiling. They feel that uh, the career path is not necessarily one that they want to be on anymore. They look at their income levels as plateauing. They have um, other ambitions that they want to pursue. The other individual can be one that is very entrepreneurial and really just wants to go out there and start crafting and sharing their expertise. So we'll tap into that market. The last group are those that are really, in a certain sense, looking over the shoulder because of automation, taking jobs away, outsourcing, like what I used to do, taking jobs away, or M&A type activities are happening where jobs are eliminated because of corporate consolidation. In each one of these potential circumstances, a career path, people need to figure out their career path next. And what I hope to do is give them an opportunity to at least choose one. The type of area that I think is less likely for outsourcing, less likely for automation, and definitely can be not um dealt with an M&A because you're your own business is essentially consulting. Really, you can even construe it to be somebody who is sharing expertise with one person to another. And you can do that in many different forms. You can do it as a consultant. You can do it as a trainer. You can do it as a coach, somewhat even as a freelancer. You know, before we go too far down the road, uh, for the folks that are listening, say, geez, you know, you had me at, um, and you know, I was a consultant with ENY or whatever. Um, how do they find you? Where do they find you in social media? Um, well, in terms of my Optair program, we are on Twitter. So you can say at Optair. On Facebook, we have a Facebook page. All you have to do is search for Optair and Facebook. On LinkedIn, same thing. You can search for Optair on LinkedIn. And I also have a Google Plus page, same thing. And so it's, it's all... all all using the words Optair. And maybe it might be also appropriate to kind of give people, well, what does this Optair word yeah, mean? L- let me spell that out. It's O-P-T-E-R-R-E. Correct. So Optair. Yeah. So Optair is sort of a mashup between two words. It's optimum or being your best and tear or the French word for land. And so what I did when I crafted that is I wanted it to be something where you're aspiring to be your best 
but being grounded in reality. So the whole program is not designed to kind of sell you easy sales pitches of, oh, go do this and go do that in such a way that you think you can be successful. I'm not going to be a hyper-marketer type person. I want to give you practical advice from the research that I'm doing, the other best practices, as well as my own practices of setting up a couple of consultancies as well as setting up other companies as well. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a listener out there and go, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, um, a business owner or I'm a, um, an executive in, in a particular business and going, you know, I've always thought about this consultant route. And so I'm listening to go, so how do I know what the next steps might be with respect to Optare and how would I even start that dialogue with you and your company? Uh, the easiest way is to initiate a conversation. You can contact us directly off of the, the social media things that we've already said. We're very responsive from that point of view. Also from the website, so optare.com has a sign-up page. So you can sign up at there and we'll capture the information of how to best reach you from there. The other opportunity is essentially, well, let me kind of backtrack just slightly. Another way that you will know that you have a path forward to become a consultant is essentially we are drafting roadmaps. We're drafting trail maps. We're drafting templates, uh, essentially a program that really walks you through step by step. It, a lot of this stuff, in a certain sense, I hate the marketing speak of saying we got the secrets revealed to you. Really what I've done is I've compiled all the best practices as well as my own discipline and what I've practiced out myself in my own businesses and have now compiled that into a program that is easily digestible. Would it be safe to say that given your past experience in the consulting space that you keep deconstructed the it's steps nice that you it. took? Yeah, it's a very nice way of putting it. That essentially we have deconstructed the, the model from when, when you're in an organization, as an example, um, like uh, name XYZ practice, and it's a large practice, and you're one of the consultants delivering in it. And now you're thinking, well, I, I want to be a consultant on my own. I could do this. I'm doing this for this company. Why can't I do it for myself? But then you start to think about how do you get your first client? How do you manage that client and their expectations? How do you financially keep yourself supported when you're not drink, bringing in billing? Um, how do you streamline and scale your business? There's a lot of other things that the organization of XYZ Consulting was doing for you that you're probably not aware of. Same thing for a guy who's in the corporate sector, like a CEO who's thinking, I want to go off on my own and do this now and share my expertise. Okay, how does he find that first client? How does he market? How does he financially set up his business in such a way that he can keep it sustained? What are the operational practices that are necessary? Again, the the package that we're going to offer to people is one that will basically lay that out for you. And then there's other coaching and mentoring programs that go to reinforce that activity going forward. You know, as, as we're, I, I'm sitting here putting myself in the mind of the listener and you're going, you know, I've, I've got this in my mind and I'm really wanting to explore the possibility of, of starting my consulting practice. And you're a process guy. And you're a so. process guy. So I'm looking at from your website, it's a field guide and it answers the questions where do I start? So, what's the first thing I want to think about as a consultant? Well, from my point of view, the very first thing you need to think about is an honest assessment of yourself. Are you the type of individual that is ready to be an entrepreneur for one, ready to be in business for yourself? Because quite honestly, you don't have one business or one boss anymore. You have lots of bosses. Every customer is your boss. That's a different mindset to take. The other thing is, are you mentally ready to serve other people? You know, when you're in a corporate world and you're telling people do this or do that, that's a different thing when you have to then go to a customer and say, I suggest you do this or that. They may not necessarily want to take your advice, and you can't force them to do so. 
probably convince them to do so, but it's a challenge. The mental assessment of what you do is, to me, step one. Step two, then, is starting to think about how you want to bring about the um, the specific customer that you're after. So, mm-hmm. in this regard, you can't be just a generic consultant. Nobody is ever a consultant. So, niche in, niche is important. Niche is extremely important because you're a consultant. Well, say for example, one of a couple of my primary people that I'm working with right now is clients. One of them is in the audiovisual space. So he's an AV consultant. Another gentleman is in the financial space. He actually wants to create a program that will help coach and mentor children, preteens to teenagers, about financial um, discipline. And again, I regard that as a financial consultant. Now, not necessarily the, the the stock trader type, but somebody who's really going to give people some good foundational educational advice from that. Those are two extreme examples of what you can have as a consultant. But that is critical. What is your niche? If you're trying to say, I'm just a consultant, and you want to compete with like that mythical XYZ consultancy that I just described, which is a you know, multi-billion dollar company, you're not going to succeed. You know, you know, for many, they said, well, I do lots of things in my job, like many. And so if you were going to give them like a one-minute thumbnail on how to take in and do niche identification, what would, you, what would your advice be? Well, again, I would, one of the first things I would describe and sort of what I just did earlier is who's your persona? Who's your ideal customer? Define that. And that has to be defined in what you also are unique about what you what is your passion what is your skill set and how can you it does that passion and skill set map to an ideal customer that you can define mm-hmm. if you don't have those connections in place you're not really going to go very far and that's so, something that you explore in depth exactly. in the assessment yeah and so we we've got the assessment and so i'm out there as this budding consultant and i said you know what i think that i've got I think I'm ready. I've assessed my strengths and weaknesses and I'm ready to proceed. So what's the next thing that I do? After we've defined the, well, after you've defined your unique value proposition, then you have to really kind of define how do you approach your market? What are the, the best approaches to reach out to them? Many different channels are available to us now that didn't exist when I really started off in my own independent work 20 some odd years ago, which is, you know, we have social media now. We have, well, podcasting. We have ways of reaching to people that is more than just what I call live marketing, which is actually doing meetups, getting on the phone, uh, meeting people in conferences. So there's a number of different channels. But where is your customer at? Also think about the buying process for your customer. How do they find you? Is it one where they find people, they really want to go after finding the latest and greatest solutions and experts at conferences? And that's where you go. If you find that your customer base really finds you off the internet, you need to really define your your content media presence and, so, and so make your authority there. As 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 this consultant, so I've got that homework done, and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm going to call myself Bob Rourke Consultant, and I'm going to hang out my shingle and proceed. What's the next thing that I must do? First off, now you're saying that you are a, a consultancy. And what I would regard as one of the most important things is now you have to really define your legal structure. Let's set up most companies, if you knock on their door and say, Hi, I'm Bob Work Consulting, they're going to say, That's nice, but are you, um, you know, are you a legal entity? Are you somebody that we can actually do business with? Do you have financial liability insurance? Have you um, your your bank accounts set up? You know, there, there's a story that I've seen broadcast off the internet where a lot of people are saying all you need is a phone and a laptop to start your business. But you might be able to do that with some small independent type companies out there. But if you're trying to work with medium size and definitely with large size, they're going to ask to see your credentials. And your credentials are your LLC or your S-Corp or your C-Corp. Um, certificates are going to look for your liability. And they want to know that if they have um, an invoice they're going to receive from you, 
that it's a legitimate invoice. It's not just like something handwritten. So there's a lot of additional activities you need to craft for yourself as a serious consultant, I guess is so what I'll characterize it that, as. That's, that's kind of like um, you have to have your driver's license in order to drive. So if you're going to play with the larger clients, which I think that's kind of the goal for the consultancy, at least the one that I'm going to put in, mm-hmm. in my mind, that's what I'd want to do. So we've got the first part where we've, we've assessed. We've got the second part. We've gone through the legal side. And then the third part is what we would call the financial side. So I, I hinted at it before. You need to have a bank account. But aside from the bank account, you need to figure out your pro forma or your financial plan. So what is it that you need to have as income coming in? What is the potential of your income coming in? What type of products or services are you going to offer? And then how much revenue are you going to be able to collect off of that? From that, what are your cost structures? What are your potential um, cost outlays and other you know, you're going to have fixed costs, you're going to have variable costs. How much of that is going to impact your overall plan? Because that will determine where you're going to emphasize various, um, I'll call it asset levers. In this context, since you're starting off, one of the key asset levers you need to turn or pull on is your marketing. You need to get found. If you are working off of families and friends, you're only going to go so far. Beyond that, then you need to scale out to others. And in that regard, how are you going to get found? Well, you need to emphasize that marketing lever, which means you need to put some cash into that. You're going to have to spend something on the website, possibly content marketing, possibly social marketing. Uh, It's going to, despite the the factors that a lot of stuff is somewhat free, in order to really make it polished and professional that will make a large company want to come to you, you're going to have to spend a little bit of money for that. But it's not that you have to spend a lot of money right off the bat. You can meet this out over a period of time. And again, that's why financial planning is really important. And this is, again, that's part of the service that we provide is walking people through what their first goals are and then figure out what their challenges are going to be and then how we can fit them into a financial plan. You know, we were talking at the beginning and, and, there's two more steps to this operation, but what struck me is for the folks that are listening, go, you know, if I'm making notes or I'm driving down the road, there's not a chance I'm going to write down the important points as I'm driving down the road. But you've offered a consultant's business plan that they can find on your website, anopterra.com. And so, folks, if you're out there looking for notes uh, on today, and there's that plan available to you, so just go to the site and put in your name and your email and he'll email you the uh, consultant's business plan. So we've, we've gone through the assessment, we've gone through the legal, we've gone through the financial. Then we have the next thing. Yeah, and we sort of touched on this before, which is the marketing, which is essentially is now you've set up, you, you've decided you are a consultant. You really want to get into this business. You've set up your legal structure, so now you're official. Then you figured out how much money you need to make as well as how much money you potentially can make. So you've got that part in place. Now the next step is how do you get found? What, what are the tactics and tools and techniques necessary that you can be found out there? Now, there's a number of different marketing strategies that apply, and I've hinted at this already, which is content marketing, social marketing, uh, email marketing. There is... Um, really what I also emphasize is live marketing, which is actually meeting people live. And um, you can even go so far as cold calling. Uh, that's probably more the extreme of what you need to do because you've got a number of different ways and tactics that you can apply in a good mix that will get you there. But you need to market to your audience. So again, if you are a, for example, um, a legal consultant, you're probably going to, you, you have a a target market of law firms that you want to offer your advice to, they're more than likely not on social media that much. But there could be other paths, say for example, LinkedIn or the analog of LinkedIn um, for the legal profession. There is something like that. I just don't know its name right off the top of my head. But anyway, there are other paths and channels from which we could tap into. Some of these, it's best just to really reach out to them through somewhat of a direct marketing as well. Again, we would work with you to figure out where your niche is and then where your audience is. Another simple example actually was kind of interesting for me is when I was talking about, as I was describing earlier about the uh, the preteen teen 
audience that this one financial guy wants to go for. We started to realize Snapchat is where these kids are. So he could craft some Snapchat chats of highlighting just a few seconds of something that maybe they hadn't thought about. And what's even more powerful is when another kid who's been coached by this individual, it's sort of how we market it, uh, he he can tell this person, this, this uh, teenager, say these words, and they'll say them, and they become sort of like the, the marketing face. You know, like you have some advertising done and you'll have the voiceover and stuff. Well, the, that kid could actually wind up being the voiceover for something that resonates for other kids. And again, he's tapping into that market. He's tapping into where his audience is and he's applying these techniques that we hopefully will steer him in the right path to go to. So for, for the consultant, you know, they've gone through a number of these steps and they've identified their niche. And what you're talking about in the marketing is basically putting together a marketing plan Yes, where they're shooting at their niche instead of shotgunning at their niche. Correct. And so we've gone through that. And so we've got the marketing, which followed financial, which followed legal, which followed the assessment. So what's the next and last well, step? Now you're, you're basically, let's assume that now you have been found. You have customers wanting your service. Now you need to deliver. So in the delivery model, there. let's take a more generic uh, scenario right now. So one of the things that I think is critical whenever you're engaging with a professional organization, um, a medium, you know, small to medium-sized companies is probably the, the best niche for the, these individuals. Although large companies could also see value in a, an individual expert. But fundamentally, when you go and meet with them for the first time, you should have some sort of kickoff going on. Basically understand the scope, scale, and complexity of what that project is about and confirming that with not only the person you have sold the engagement to, but all the other people who have to be impacted or are going to be interacting with you during the course of your engagement. So to me, that's an example of one of the things that we talk about now that you're actually in the program of delivery. The other things that you need to be thinking about in more generic terms of business is your IT systems. What, how much IT do you really need in order to really engage? I mean, obviously you need email because you're going to exchange messages back and forth with each other. You're probably going to need something like, say, um, Office or Google Docs or something, some way of being able to communicate. I would actually recommend you think about Office because that, in a corporate world, is predominantly the tool of choice for them. Adopt their tools. Don't try to force them into trying to translate. So again, we talk to people about thinking, putting ourselves in their client's shoes and figuring out what are the operational activities that they need to follow. Um, the other activities is essentially really templatizing your business because that will help you scale. So kickoff template is like I highlighted before. You can have a proposal template. You can have a, a, a closing engagement type template. Again, these are activities and things to really refine and professionalize yourself. So when you're delivering an engagement, the customer feels like in a certain sense, this is one, a real business, but two, they've got all the I's dotted and T's crossed that I actually have a solution or a deliverable or what, whatever it is that you're trying to deliver for a customer as a consultant, it's counted for. You know, in, in thinking about the people listening, you know, there was a point in time where you went from thinking about putting together Optair to saying, I'm going to do this. And take us to that time when you were talking to your bride and say, hun, I've made a decision. What was that moment like and what were her thoughts? Interestingly enough, well, for me and Optair, Optair is now my third startup. So it's for her, it was okay. <laughs> it was fine. Now, if you ask me when I first did this uh, back in 2001, uh, which I'll be perfectly honest, my, my first consultancy lasted for only one year. It failed. Um, why and did, why for, did, for the lister, yeah. Why yeah, did it why fail? Why did it fail? Well, basically, I fell into the trap of what I call the feast or famine model. Because at that time, again, sort of like a lot of stories that I hear from other people these days when they say, you know, all I, I can be a consultant. I can do all this stuff. Well, I was as arrogant as anybody else can be. 
And the, the challenge I ran into, I called it Walker Digital Solutions at that time. Um, but what really happened is I found myself selling and not making any money while I'm selling. And then when I'm into delivery, I'm making money. But guess what? I'm delivering and not selling anymore. So I either am making money by delivering or I'm not making money by selling. And I didn't at that time figure out how to create an equitable balance between the two such that I could create a sustainable living. And quite honestly, back then, it was a lot tougher than it is today. I mean, some things that, say, for example, that I have an Optair now, my whole back office system is almost completely automated. As you notice, I am a process guy. I roboticized, if you can call it that, almost all of it. There's, when somebody buys to when I actually deliver the service, it's almost all automated. Back in those days, that was all manual. That was extremely time-consuming, tough, and a bit of a challenge that I didn't really realize at the time. But again, you know, you learn from these things. And you, you, and luckily, I could pivot very quickly. And also, luckily, I was um, known in the, in the marketplace, so I could just pick up the phone and call and get, get another job with another consultancy. So it wasn't that bad. You know, and, and I, I think about, you know, for the folks listening, and you, you know, go, where did you learn your most valuable lesson? It's probably the one that cost you the most money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's the yeah. tuition you pay for the knowledge you receive. Good point. And, and I think about, for the folks that are listening, so you've got this genesis of an idea that you want to be a consultant, and we have some steps here, and there's a field guide available to them, and there's the business plan available to them. And there's the opportunity for them to reach out to you via your social media sites. What are the misconceptions that are widespread for people thinking about being a consultant that you see commonly that perhaps they should think about? Well, I mentioned this before, and I'll say it slightly, maybe a different way. A number of people are out there that are offering the services of, in a certain sense, how to be a consultant. Really, when you start to peel the onion apart, though, they're only taking you to how to find a customer. Beyond that, then, okay, you've got your first customer, what do you do? There's not much conversation in that space. And I believe that I'm, I'm trying to cover that gap. The, the other thing that I find annoying with some of this, these other providers of these types of services is they basically say, you can do this. All you need is a phone and a laptop. And I mentioned this before. And that really doesn't ring true when I start to peel the onion apart. Because, I, again, maybe it's because of my process ment mentality, but I start to think about if I'm in the buying position, I'm the the customer who wants to buy a consultant services, I want to know that I, I can trust them, that they're a legitimate business, that they're they're able to to be there for me. And well, on the other side of the spectrum, the corporation may have issued an RFP, which yeah. is absolutely sequential and process-driven, and you have to yeah. be able to satisfy the RFP. Good point. You know, so I, I think about the consultants, and, you know, and, and in your career, you interface with a multitude of consultants when you're in brought into a company. You know, and you think back, if there was one particular characteristic or trait of the best consultants you ever saw, what's that one or two traits that they exhibited that made them stand out above and beyond everybody else that you knew of? Well, probably number one would be confidence in themselves. So if they know what they know their 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 stuff, they they know that they are an expert. Number two would be that they are able to articulate their knowledge in such a way that is easily, I guess I'll call it consumable or translatable. Mm -hmm. You know, that they people can resonate with what that is. And then number three is that they convey a sense of, I guess I'll call it emotional connection. So what you've got is an individual who knows their stuff, can articulate it clearly to somebody, and then draw people in to whatever it is of, about that expertise. And then lastly, they have at their disposal probably a series of statistics or other 
information that appeals to the logical mind. So in a sense, you're, you're talking about an individual who at first appeals to the heart, but can sell or conclude with the logic. You know, as you, as you look back over, over your career and your success and, and, and basically coming out of a, a challenging situation and succeeding, what do you think was the most predominant trait that you possess that you attribute to your success? I don't give up. <laughs> Maybe that. Um, you might use the analogy of I'm one of these dogs that just kind of grabs a hold and I won't let go until I finally get there. I'm very goal-oriented. Very. I set lots of goals. And say, for example, even in my daily routine is basically this. Every day I have to accomplish one specific goal. Uh, but, you, you know, that you might think one goal, that's it. But you stack up to 365, that's quite a lot mm -hmm. in an entire year. So you look at where you are today and to where you need to be, that you're, you're going to achieve quite a lot. So if you just keep yourself disciplined to not give up, not get distracted, focus on your goals, and at least set your mind, or at least for me, for me to set my mind to at least accomplishing one major thing. Unfortunately, sometimes that means I stay up late at night <laughs> getting that thing done. But that's more the exception to the rule. But I do try to make sure that I am accomplishing one major milestone every day. And what that also means then, well, what are those milestones? I lay out a plan. I laid out a roadmap uh, for my, my own self that spells out where I'm going to go. Now, it's not that it's hard and fast that if I don't do one particular step or I find that it's not working, that I can't pivot. So I'm not so mentally constrained that I can't pivot. But it is important to really set your mind to a path and then take one step at a time to get there. As you look back over your career, and there are influential moments in your career, who, who or what did the most influential person say or do that moved the needle for you? You know, for me, this is something that's been part of my characteristic, and a number of people have recognized me for it, um, most notably my, my employees when I was at Kaiser. And that is, it's for us as leaders, in some sense for others, managers, it is up to us to create the environment for other people to be successful. So what I mean by that is essentially we are gathering people together to be in a team to accomplish some specific function. But in crafting that team, there, there'll be some things that will get in their way, some challenges. Now, some individuals will look at that as, well, that's at that person's problem. But the way I was taught at E&Y is that that is your responsibility and your problem. So if a consultant, the junior consultant is trying to deliver something and he can't for some reason, not enough knowledge, missing a process, missing a, some dependency, you know, other information, it's up to us as leaders to make sure that that gets taken care of for them. If we can do that for them, guess what? The motivational factors go up tenfold for that individual because they know that somebody's got their back and they'll continue and they'll do much more for you. Um, I have carried that forward in all my other teams. My, I actually had one manager, um, one guy that I promoted to a manager level at one time and after he got promoted and he said, thank you, now I'm going to kick butt and I'm going to take some names. And I said, if you do that, you're fired. Because that's not the, the mentality and not the program that I aspire to in my staff. And over time, he's realized that. And he's actually become quite a successful manager in and of his own self. Because he's learned that principle that I try to instill. So if that one thing is that, make sure other people are successful. So circling back around to, to the listener. And so the listener says, you know, I really want to explore this further. And so they reach out and they get in contact with you. Um, what should they expect in the next steps to to move toward from the germ, you know, the germ of an idea, to actually starting to to train with Optera and and move forward? Well, 
that goes back to the like step one that we were talking about, which is really the assessment. So what we're trying to do is make sure that the person feels very comfortable with themselves as well as us as so an organization. Is, is that a discussion you have yeah. with them? Yeah. Uh, what we try to do is we provide a questionnaire to start with so that they can kind of do their own assessment. But at another level, they need to evaluate us mm-hmm. as coaches, mentors going forward with them. Um, because part of my program involves what I call an accountability partner. So in my mid-tier program, I call it the uh, backpacker program, um, there are other individuals that will participate with you to make sure that you stay accountable in achieving your goals. It's one thing to just kind of give you a manual and say, have at it. It's another thing to actually have people checking up on you and saying, are you doing well? Are you having problems? Um, you were supposed to do this. Why didn't you get it done? You know, what's your circumstances going on? In the Mountaineer program or the higher level program, you actually have me as the accountability partner. And again, right at the beginning, you need to know more about me and feel comfortable about me coaching you and mentoring and driving you because it's not I'm all touchy-feely. Sometimes I will challenge you. For the, for the folks out there that are looking, so there's a clear path forward. They can take a look at your organization and they can find it on the internet. We've talked about the five steps. And then, you know, we reference kind of a, a mental picture. And then you know, whether it's backpacking or mountaineer, I, I think, you know, given uh, the topography of Colorado, uh, it makes sense to use some of the analogies of the wilderness and the challenges that being out in the wilderness faced. You know, and we, we talked a little bit about you know, when you go on a hike in the woods, do you take and go out in the woods with no map, no idea where you're going and no idea when you're going to get back and no provisions? Or do you go through with a definitive plan in place? And so I think from Opter's standpoint, you're looking at how you might outfit yourself for an excursion into the consulting wilderness and you guys function as a guide. Correct. You know, I, I think about that as a metaphor. And, you know, when you're, you're crafting your thoughts about your consultancy and this training for consultants, take me to that thought process where you're using this as, as um, um, a metaphor for that journey. So why did I come up with this metaphor is what you are that asking? A, that's a short answer or short <laughs> question to what I was beating around the bush. Yeah, that yeah. was it. So, you know, I'm... As you know, I've been a consultant for well over 20-some odd different years, and we tend to speak our own language. We we have, in a certain sense, called consultancies. And in consultancies, one of the classic words is a deliverable. Okay, uh, what's a deliverable to somebody who really doesn't deal with that type of language all that often? To me, I realized my program needs to be what well let me rephrase it differently what i really wanted it to be is something that would be intuitive that people could latch onto and i actually bounced around quite a number of different types of metaphors until i realized because i loved hike i usually uh, walk about two to five miles a day and what i also love is being in colorado so out of those two things the light bulb just hit me at one point it's like what you're hiking up a mountain just use that as the metaphor so the once i started everything started to fall into place when i just basically said do that and it was only because i was doing that type of activity that i was able to draw the analogy and fit it in so okay let's imagine that you are taking this from the very beginning to the top you start off with base camp Basecamp is where we provide all these templates and information to kind of get you going. Then you get into the backpacker program. The backpacker is one where, you know, you're going up the mountain so far, so we're giving you enough information to get you going. And also, if your capital needs are constrained in such a way that you really can't afford the mountaineer program, you still have a path forward. If I just provide only individuals with um, you know lots of cash in their in their pockets services I feel like again I'm doing that disservice to my mission of what I wanted to do earlier which is really give back to people who are either at risk of losing their jobs or have lost their jobs and then the mountaineer program are for those that basically are at the top 
they they know they want to be a consultant or they are already consultants and they want to crank the levels up much higher. So that would be the level for scale. Exactly. You, you're learning more things about efficiency. You're really refining your game. You get into our program and you're practicing your art of consulting. You are going to have a suite of services that are done for you, like we were talking about earlier, about uh, some back office systems, some marketing automation things. So that really what you're focusing in on is being that best consultant out there. And everybody else is supporting you. Almost, if you can envision, where if you were a consultant in a large XYZ consulting house that I said earlier, um, where they have all those things built into the company, we essentially are providing that infrastructure, but they're working for you providing that service instead of you being just another employee within a larger entity. And really having that kind of attention to detail will allow you, or let me phrase it differently, it allows you... When people are providing those ancillary services for you, you can really move much more quickly, more effectively, and scale much more significantly than you had before. You know, as we've been chatting here, um, you you reference systems in IT and in a number. Of, is there a favorite uh, tool or app that you like that keeps you organized and on track? Um, well, it depends on what I'm using or what function I am using at that at some point in time. So as an example, when I'm in an engagement and I'm talking to a customer, I use Evernote uh, mm -hmm. to take my notes with. When I'm working with my team and we're working on launch plans, et cetera, I use Asana as a project management tool. So it depends on the, the need for a specific type of tool. But yeah, even for me, I have a toolkit. And in fact, it's also one of the infographics that we give to people. So you not only see the, um, phrase not only do you get access to all of our coaching and other guides, we also provide you with the recommendations on the most common tools that consultants would more than likely want to use. So pretty much, this is a soup to nuts. Here's how you figure it out. If you can be a consultant, this is how you do it. That's where the goal is. Because, <laughs> you know, for an individual, I mean, obviously any individual can figure this stuff out for themselves. But think about how much time it will take, how much effort it will take, possibly even spending some money doing the research or testing out various tools. We do the 80-20. We give you 80% of what probably you already need, already packaged up, ready to go. You know, the argument for repetition and learning if you're repeating the same thing over and over and again and it's an incorrect form or not a proper application you're really not learning much you're just repeating a bad habit good point professional athletes have full-time coaches if not more than one and i think about the analogy if you are trying to short circuit your your time frame and you're trying to avoid some of the common missteps you know then this would be a methodology of accomplishing this because you've done so much consulting through your career. You know, I, I, I think about the folks that are out there listening uh, about, you know, you know, at the end of the day, being a consultant, um, there's that notion of self-determination. You get to take and choose your path. Uh, yeah, you swap one boss for many. So there's some level of um, diversification there. Uh, is there any piece of parting guidance that you might offer the listener from your experience, whether it has to do with consulting or, or operating in a business environment? Well, first off, let me basically say, a lot of people, I think, second guess themselves and think that they, oh, they can't be a consultant. They, they can't do this. I'll tell you, when I got into consulting, I was actually, Back in my Ernst & Young days, I was thrust into environments that I'd never had any exposure to whatsoever. I mean, I was talking to C-level people, and I'm just, you know, this young late 20s guy, you know, that had, for the most part, my very first career was being a programmer. So I was writing programs. Then I was giving advice to C-level people. And right after I got my MBA, it was just like, okay, I can do this. And you know, also because I was a, a very good programmer, 
I was probably the more the classic introverted nerd, if you will, in mm-hmm. those days. But I moved from that to what I do today, and I'm promoting all this stuff. And I've actually, you know, my, my sales career has, uh, I've made definitely, I mean, documented, I've made over 100 millions of dollars in sales for organizations that I've worked for. And so I'm looking at where I've come from as an introvert to somebody that can sell other people can do that too. So don't second guess yourself. What you need is really to be in an environment where you can kind of practice, feel comfortable at it. Again, that's also part of the, the whole message of what I'm trying to do with Opter is give you in a safe environment to at least start practice, especially the Mountaineer program, so that when you go in, as let me kind of paint a simple example for you. Um, part of my program is to teach what is called the spin selling technique. Spin being situation, problem, implication, needs. That's a classic technique used to help in the sales process. But I can be a pain in the, you know what, um, customer for you. So you need to sell to me, convince me that you actually are somebody I need using those techniques. So if I'm pretending to be the bad customer or a hard customer is probably a more appropriate word, how do you deal with that if you've never done it before? Well, we create simulations. We allow you to practice that. So I believe anybody can get there with enough practice. So again, the program is designed to give people the safe environment to practice this in such a way that when they do reach that first customer that is really going to challenge them and maybe not really want to buy, they'll be able to at least know some of the tactics and techniques to do that. And really, that's what it is. It's practice. It's about um, knowledge and being able to to try it out before you actually have to go out there. The sink or swim model to me is just an, a, a failed approach. But that again is, I guess, the one thing I will impart. I'm giving a long-winded answer to basically say, anybody can do this with enough practice. And with motivation. And yes, absolutely. Mike, I really appreciate you taking time and being generous with your time on a Friday afternoon. I appreciate it a lot. You're quite welcome. Thank you, too, for letting me be here. Thanks.